I can just teach more people how to be more productive and how to do branding and understand the visual storytelling aspect that Instagram has and it's why it's been so popular and why it's the most, well, the highest organic reach of any social platform, that if I could create a tool that could help more people make money essentially with Instagram, then yeah, why not? Someone's, it's a great idea and it was going to be made and why couldn't that be me? So I just went for it. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 556. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so excited about today's episode because today we have Christy Lawrence from Plan. And listeners, I believe that by the time that this episode, I believe that by the time this episode goes live, (laughs) I will have already shared some of my newest marketing techniques and what's working for me and what's not. But Plan is an awesome Instagram tool. For those of you who don't know about my background, I was an interior designer in my former life. So I have to say that I am a little bit of a design snob and I like things to look pretty. And that's what Plan helps to do on Instagram. But before we even get into all the awesomeness of Instagram marketing, I want to introduce you to Christy. Hi, Christy. Hi, Kim. How are you? I am awesome. And I just want to dig in a little bit to your entrepreneurial journey, because as we were talking about a little bit, and as I've shared with listeners before, this is not like, it's not a sprint. And things don't just oh, blow no. <laughs> up overnight. But so, before you start, I'm definitely going to refer to myself as a design snob from now on. <laughs> okay, I, you can have that. Like, I'm going to steal that. I actually really, told, the, the entre- I Sorry, told a, yes. I told a client this morning, no joke, that I have Instagram OCD because I actually <laughs> had to stop my screen share to unschedule a post that was supposed to go out on Instagram because it would mess up my whole pattern if. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Welcome to my life. Yeah, like no, it, no, it just sure. couldn't go out. But anyway, I would love. Oh, it's really funny because I don't know. If, um, so just to touch on why Plan exists, there was a few things that was happening for me personally when I was using Instagram. So picture this: I'm working in corporate advertising and corporate marketing, and I'm making TV commercials for a really big insurance brand. So I'm pretty busy, and then I go home at night, and I just felt incredibly kind of drained from not having enough creative release in my own life. Mm-hmm. So I'd draw and I'd illustrate and I would put my work on Instagram. So here's what would happen. Then. I would post something and then delete it really quick. Or I would have a separate account where I would post and try and work out my grid. Or And then there's a few people that I started talking to that said, oh, I just use Photoshop Snap Guides and I plan it all out there before I post. And some people said they even did it with paint. I was like, this, this is not right. Anyway, so I started investigating that after my work hours oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah I just kind of had the idea that way of like well what would be best if I could just drag and drop and filter everything in one place and make it look cohesive Instagram was growing like crazy and it was like well if I can just teach more people how to be more productive and how to do branding and understand the visual storytelling aspect that Instagram has and it's why it's been so popular and why it's the most well the highest organic reach of any social platform, that if I could create a tool that could help more people make money essentially with Instagram, then 
yeah, why not? Someone's, it's a great idea and it was going to be made and why couldn't that be me? So I just went for it. I used to get most of my opt-ins for whatever freebies I have out there through Twitter. But when they changed their term, terms of service last year and changed it so that you can't repost the same tweet over and over again, which I was doing, um, <laughs> then that totally squashed it. And now Instagram is my top. Like every time I put up a post and I say, click the link in my bio, straight up to the top. But so, okay. So you were doing corporate, you were, Mm -hmm. you had art, you were, you were trying to figure out your plan, but how did Mm. you get like. From that to having an app. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what happened is I actually got sick and you know, you just met, touched on before that entrepreneurship entrepreneurial journey is never straight and there's always ups and downs and there's crazy reasons behind people why people do things well I am one of them so I woke up and with the flu but I didn't know it was a flu I just felt a bit odd and over the next couple of days what had happened is that flu had gone up into my brain and destroyed my vestibular function in my brain it was really weird. I didn't even know that that was even possible. What but is vestibular? vestibular? Yeah. yeah. Vestibular is your balance, your spatial, your vision. So I had severe vertigo and motion sickness 24-7. So I couldn't walk without. It felt like I was on jumping castle and a boat at the same time. So I got really skinny because I couldn't eat. My husband was having to walk me through the house. It was really bad. And then I was trying to get to work one day and I fell down an escalator in public Oh, transport. my gosh. Like, all right, I just need to focus on getting better. So we did go down to one salary, which was I'm very grateful for my husband for letting me be at home and just get better. And then I had more kind of, well, not time, but I'd just lie on the floor and be like, okay, well, this is what this app could look like. And so I started to sketch out wireframes and be like, okay, so it could look like this and like that, but I don't know how much this would take to get built. I thought an app cost a couple of thousand. How little did I know? And then I jumped on Upwork, and which is one of those just freelance websites. And I started sending my idea out to the world and saying like how much would this cost and I think the very first thing especially when you're building tech or any entrepreneurial journey is that if you're too scared to share your idea then you're kind of never going to get ahead and if you do have a good idea you just have to accept that it will be stolen so I had got to that part already I accepted that ideas are worthless and it's all in the execution and how much passion you have because you have to be able to talk about it and do the thing every day So I had no issues reaching out to people and saying, here's my idea for an app. How much would this cost? And each one of them would come back and say, well, Christy, you're missing this and you're missing this and you're missing this. So over the next couple of months, I was able to iterate and have a full scope of what an app should look like. Um, Then I'm quoted over $100,000 to build the app, which I didn't Oh, my goodness. Apps actually cost more than that, and that was for a basic app. So I hustled my way. So by this point, I'm feeling a bit better. I've spent a lot of time at home, no alcohol, no coffee, um, working on um, social anxiety. So I was having panic attacks just leaving the house, which is really horrific. And then I went to a whole bunch of web and app agencies in Sydney and said, look, if I can do your marketing, can you teach me how to build this app? And I'll work for free for you to build my tech. And that's how I got my MVP or minimum viable product to market. So I built well, I had no salary, so we're still on one salary in our household. So, again, very grateful to my husband's support. And, yeah, gave up my, my high corporate salary for tech. <laughs> and by the end of it, I had this kind of kind of working app that I launched into the app store, and we had 
10, I think I made $10,000 in the first week, which was enough money because I'd had a year to do my (laughs) pre-launch. And that $10,000 was enough to get me out of the agency I was at, my own dev team, who then obviously developers hate working on other developers' code, which I learned later, then rebuild the app and relaunch it under the guise of an update in the app store. And then we kind of, from there, that's kind of how it got into the app store. That is so amazing. And I I love how you brought up basically barter. I mean, would you call Definitely. it barter? Um, it, it was butter, but I think that there it's it's very hard to manage because when things dragged on, like I was quoted six months and after ten months I was thinking, you know, I'm not getting a I'm getting a raw deal here and then they think they're getting a raw deal because they don't understand my skill set and what I'm able to achieve. And so it, it was it's actually quite a difficult to clear cut the value when you're bartering for a service and a product. That's exactly so that, why I wanted um, like yeah. Yeah, it's very tricky. It got very tricky and it, like I would admit, probably a little bit messy. And if I had my time again, um I don't know if I would have done it that way, <laughs> but I just didn't have the money. So at the, like, there's just no option. And that now becomes just a little blip in my story. Mm. I actually bartered Infusionsoft services. I'm an Infusionsoft certified partner. I guess it's now, yeah. um, I, I'm still trying to remember the new name, Keep, Keep certified partner. Um, I bartered those services for coaching twice. And it was sort of the same way. I mean, the coaches are very proud of the services that they're offering and I'm very proud of what I'm building, but I, we both felt in both situations like we are both getting the short end of the stick. So, yeah. It can but, be tricky. So as long as you have – it's just having that open communication. Mm-hmm. And so what happened for me at the end of it when it dragged on too long, I started invoicing them for my time because I knew I was going to have to move on to a new dev team. So Good for you. Okay to, I mean, yeah, anyway, so that's how I handled that situation. But again – I'm a blip in the story now. Do yeah. You, do yeah. <laughs> so we, I, you've just opened my eyes because a couple of years ago, I actually started working with an app development team in, in India. And mm-hmm. I think they only quoted me like 3,500 or 5,000. And to be totally honest, uh-uh. we're still working on the app, but it hasn't been full focus. Like we worked on it for the first month. And I got distracted. $10,000 yet? No, like, no, no, actually we've only, <laughs> we've only ever done the wireframes because I have chronic okay. idea disorder. I get ideas all the time <laughs> and I actually have hired them to do WordPress work. They're still doing work for me. It's just, we've never gotten back to the app, but you've just opened up my eyes because. So apps uh, take a lot of time. So yeah. We have a team. Of say we're at I'm at a team of 35 people across nine countries oh to run plan, and it's not as a lot of people just think oh you know you just put an app in the app store and you just leave it don't you it's like oh, not really <laughs> so the, the trickiest thing is that if you don't have a regular stream into people to buy the app or upgrade or anything let's say for example you have a free app so you put a free app out there if people are uploading images or they're doing anything that were, it involves adding data. You need a server. To, you need a server. It has to work around the world. You also have to pay. You, so you have to pay for all of that space from somebody. Um, so there are definite constant costs happening behind the scenes. You've got usually you have to pay for customer support teams. You've got. I obviously have to have a marketing team now because we're a paid app. And so we have to be continually providing value. And Apple and Android, they take a 30% cut of anything we earn. 
which is um, quite a high distribution cost to wear when you're paying for developers who cost a lot of money. And then you, obviously then you're going to pay for the wages of the developers mm-hmm. and then Apple and Android, they change their systems and operating things. You know how you have updates on your Mac constantly? Yep. Apple, Apple and Android do the same thing to us. So we have to jump at what they're updating. So not only are we working on our product, adding features, fixing bugs and usability, we're then adding in what they're working on as well, plus what Instagram works on themselves and Facebook now with all their new hoops. So that's all happens behind the scenes. So, yeah, it's tricky because to run an app costs, like plan costs, like a six-figure number to run every month. A six-figure number to run every Just month? Just to run every month. Oh my goodness. And you didn't even talk about paying yourself yet. No, it took me two two years to start paying myself. Oh my heavens. My husband is a video <laughs> game designer. And, Amazing. And he doesn't he he actually just in the past couple months finally found the developer who he's working with and they're working on his first game. But that's been something that we've had to talk about a lot too, is your his server. It, because he's doing <laughs> like He's going to have people coming in all around the world playing the game, but he has to have the servers that can support the people all over the world. And then it's the same thing. You know, Steam has their 30% cut. And what are you going to charge for it so that you can actually make money? How do you monetize it so that it becomes viral and people uh, invite their friends to use it so that you can pay for the server costs? And that's why you find that those free apps sell your data because there's no other way to – it's changing now, thankfully – and people are starting to understand that if you're not paying for a product, then you are the product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's becoming really apparent. And that's something for me. I never wanted to sell data. I never wanted to have ads in my app either because it's, it's ugly. It is. <laughs> so I decided it's really ugly. So that's why Plan is a freemium, which is there's a free version. So you get a, like a beautiful taste of what we're about. But if you need anything kind of advanced that takes up more of our business upside, then those are the things that you have to pay for. So how long have you been around then? Um, Plan's been in the App Store for almost two years, I'd say. Wow. So in the scheme of apps, it's not long. <laughs> but I feel like entrepreneurial, Like I, I feel like it's been seven years. Yeah. And, and I know, and please keep in mind for you and listeners that I'm more versed in, in game design and game releases and and such. So I've heard of games having to go through multiple rounds of revisions to make all the different app stores happy or the game server or game networks and that and Mm -hmm. to get everything right. Is the same true for you? Like how many rounds? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So every time we push out an update, whether it's just a performance update or changing the design or adding a feature, we go back through app store revisions. Um, Apple's a little bit harder than Android to get through because I'm not actually sure why. They're just a lot more difficult. I think they like to have a lot more control over the quality of the app going through. So you'll get multiple, like for example, we put a build out. You'd expect it to be, Mm, you know, a couple of hours turnaround, but it can take up to a week. And the reasons behind some of them are that they reject it or they just haven't got the staff to be able to to do it. So it's really hard to plan releases or plan launch dates for anything because you're stuck waiting on Apple. Like as an example, I have a build that's going out, well, it was meant to go out this week, still waiting on it. But the reason that one of the rejections was we couldn't find the menu button it's very bizarre because there's a button. Is it right there, like within what you would think is plain sight? 
it's in the workspace and it says menu. So, <laughs> yep. And then another one was that we have um, our web app and that to log into our web app, you need to have a Instagram business page that's linked to a Facebook business page. So you actually log in with Facebook and they messaged us and said, we're rejecting this build because no one here has a test account for Facebook. So we can't do it. Can you make us one and send it through? Are you kidding <laughs> okay, me? Apple. All right, Apple, we'll do it for you. <laughs> so just stuff like that. And then you go back in the queue. So yeah, it's, um, and then you've got customer support screaming at us like we've got these customers waiting for this bug fix and I'm like well I can't really do anything <laughs> it's coming so it's, it can be really tricky so it actually as a founder and a perfectionist it took me a long time to just accept that that's how things are with Apple and without them I wouldn't have a business and trying to teach the team that sometimes things are out of your control and you just have to accept that startup life is a bit chaotic and then how to manage the expectations of everyone in the team plus the customers Oh, my gosh. Because you can't blame it on Apple. We can't email people and be like, Apple, I haven't done this. Like, we, mm -hmm. you can't. Like, so we take – we claim responsibility for our product, even though we're technically an Apple. We're sold through the App Store and Apple say that we're their product. Yeah. But from a fr point of view of our people, they don't care. So you just have to make sure that you manage all of that expectation. So what happens to your app when you're in between updates? Like, is it still out there in the previous version? Oh. Just – Okay. So once it's been approved okay yeah. i just want to make sure that like the previous version doesn't come down while you're waiting for that for the update oh, not, it's just the same bill but they might it, like if we've got something that we're trying to push through like a, a button color change or a oh, like a login issue that we're working on then it just just takes a bit longer to get out oh good because that would really suck <laughs> yes. yeah yeah. Okay. So listeners, I invite you to go to my Instagram account and scroll all the way to the bottom just so you can laugh at the, I should probably just go back and I was actually just scratching my head about this last night, which I'm doing right now, deleting all the old posts because I've gone through several variations of post planning. Some of them mm -hmm. are so like I, I had a, Checkerboard. Okay, let me ask you this, Kim. Yeah. If you go to someone's feed for the very first time, mm -hmm. how far down are you scrolling before you figure out you want to follow them or not? I actually don't. All right. So it doesn't matter. You but can I, delete if you want. It doesn't matter. So true. Yeah. Do you do the same thing? How far <laughs> down do you scroll? Oh, well, I'm, I ju I'm judgy. <laughs> so do you just stop like with what I, you see? I, no, I scroll. I probably go like three or four scrolls. Okay. Um, but I'm also, I come from, my, my mind's very different, I think, because I'm looking for a whole bunch of different things. For example, mm -hmm. that the bio matches what the pictures are telling me so that I get an actual sense of what this person does and what they're about or what the business is like. Mm. I look for, is it cohesive? Does it have white space? Am I going to be overwhelmed if I have this feed? Am I actually interested in what they do? Do they have an interesting story? Are the captions, like I, you find people for the images, but you stay for the captions. So are they yes. telling interesting stories or are they just doing inspo quotes? Because I'm not really – it's not really what I like to follow. So, yeah, it. I, I kind of look at all of that and think – because a lot of the time I'm looking for people so that I can write about them or I'm reaching out to people for ambassadors or that kind of thing. So I use Instagram obviously as a business tool and also a creative expression for myself. So I'm looking for very specific things. You have me looking at my white space now. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm okay with my white space. Yeah, but yeah, um, so the secret to white space is actually just perspective. Yeah. So if you have a look at some of your favorite Instagrammers, you'll probably notice that there's no flat lays next to each other. Mm-hmm. There's a, a wide shot next to a mid shot. There's a, a centered image next to a non-centered image. It's just about, and then obviously some texture and actual space. And you'll usually notice that those images don't sit next to each other. So that's why a tool like plan comes in real handy because you can just drag and drop and just move them around and find the best fit. Yeah. Well, one of my biggest ahas came when I realized that positive productivity is not about black and white. There's a lot in between. And my original checkerboard, checkerboard, oh my gosh, <laughs> whoever's editing this one's going to laugh at me. Um, my original checkerboard was a mix between my turquoise that's in all my branding and black and white images. And it didn't feel very positive. And on, the entrepreneurial life is not black and white. So I did, decided to switch it up and then I went totally random-ish and it just felt like a big old mess to me. And those, were, I can't. Were you able to, when you, when you say that, you know, it didn't really work and then you cleaned it up a little bit, did you notice a difference in the people you attracted? I wasn't attracting. Mm. Like they were looking and leaving because it was just a big disheveled mess. And then, and then when I started bringing some type of order back in again, mm-hmm. the engagement just really went up. Mm. A lot of people underestimate that. I agree. And in the one, the profiles that I see, or the accounts that I see that do have some type of order or design aesthetic, like well thought out, I usually see higher followers, which. Okay, well, we both know that you can buy followers. Is it ideal? No. But they also have more engagement, more comments. At least from what I've seen. What have you seen? I'm I'm the same. Exactly the same. So the the feeds that are kind of really dark, they haven't I think you'll also find that there's a storytelling technique behind some of those accounts that are doing really well. So I don't know if you've heard of Jenna Kutcher. Yes. She's, yeah, so she's one of my favorites and I talk to her quite a bit. But if you have a look through her feed, she's got a couple of different storylines of her life that she has used to grow popularity while using great imagery. Mm -hmm. So if you think of Jenna Kutcher, most people don't think about the images on her feed. They think about her as a human and what she's going through. And oh, yeah. it's portrayed through the images. So it's all it's actually about how to portray a lifestyle. So there's a lot of people that come to me and say, look, I'm a coach or I am a social media manager. There's no point in me being on Instagram because I don't have anything to show. I'm like, well, that's a lie. <laughs> there's so many things that can be done because you, on Instagram, you're selling a lifestyle and you're selling you as a product. Or if you're a brand, you're selling a lifestyle. So say, for example, a jewelry designer. If I just showed my jewelry on a white background – you're not getting a sense of who should be buying this product or if I'm – it's basically am I the match for what you're putting a picture on mm-hmm. of? And if I see jewelry that's on a white background, that, that doesn't say anything to me. It doesn't evoke any type of inspiration for me. It doesn't evoke a feeling that I belong to this brand. So if I see people at the beach wearing like this really boho look, wearing the jewelry, then I'm in. But if I see people in bull gowns and at Met Gala, then I'm not in. So right. it depends on, it, I think it really comes down to knowing your target audience and how to make them feel like they belong. I saw a post last week of somebody wearing yoga pants and heels and I was just <laughs> cracking up. I was like, I, 
and it actually looked pretty nice together. I was like, I would have never put yoga pants and heels together. Can I admit something that I have done that on days that, you know, bloated days and the black yoga pants and you just put a nice top on and some black pants and some black heels, you're out. You're done. I'm, I'm guilty. And it's the best. Yeah. But had I just seen them next to each other on a flat lay? Nah, oh, no. <laughs> no. But because no. there was actually a person. A personality. Yeah. And it was a mom. Like I'm, I'm in a few mom groups on Instagram and just... I was like, yes. That's all I could say was just yes. Because if you're not a mom, you just sometimes yes. That's all I can say about it. (laughs) What do you see as the biggest mistakes people are doing in their profiles? And I feel bad because I feel like I'm taking away from you and I want to get back to you. But I would love to know just in even in their bio, what you see as being big red flags. Well, not having a bio is probably the biggest red Mm -hmm. flag. And yeah. then the second one would be that the what the story is doesn't match the images. So you haven't you're kind of letting you you've gone to all the effort to create an Instagram feed, but you just need that just one extra bit. So I I would recommend that you go back to your feed and review it as a third party and go, okay, so does my bio reflect what I actually post about and can someone get a, a well rounded sense within the first twelve images that I've posted? and my bio and have I injected a bit of personality and the other thing that's really important is why are you on Instagram what is your purpose for example like how can does someone need to contact you for example an artist is like dm me for submissions or email me for a custom made prints that kind of thing so is there a call to action that says why you're on Instagram and, and what's that next step if people do fall in love with you? So you, this is that this is how brands put a website link because they're like, okay, well, obviously we have a store. We'll just shop now with a link. So it's, it's how can they go to that? How do you help people get to that next stage of interacting with you? Is it a lead magnet? Is it a blog post? Like what is it that you want people to do once they come to your feed? My call to action is pretty weak right now. It says find something cool here. <laughs> Because I couldn't think of anything to say, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know what? If I was reading that, I probably wouldn't click it because I yeah, don't know I what know. you're giving me. And is there value to my life? Mm, something cool. I am up for mystery. I'm up for mystery. But when I'm on Instagram and just scrolling, you've only got my attention for a small amount of time. Yeah, no, it's absolutely totally weak. But <laughs> when I don't have like exactly what I want to say, I. It's yeah. The thing, the beauty about Instagram is that you can change it. It's perfect. Yeah. You just you think of something new, just get in and change it. But I think a lot of people m- misunderstand that Instagram is actually a marketing tool. And so with 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 Instagram, if you're just posting images, then fine. But if you're not recording your data or tracking anything, then it's you're not using it as marketing because marketing is data, and and marketing means making smarter decisions based on what you've learned and what you know. So this is, again, another reason why I built Plan is that in the, in the analytics part of the app, you can learn when you've had the best engagement at what time, what color schemes have got you the most engagement, what posts have got you the best engagement, what hashtags have been working the best for you, so that you have all that data there without having to make spreadsheets or anything. And then in the web app tool that we're building, and hopefully is live in the next week or two, it'll actually tell you if you've had an up or down amount of click-throughs to the link in your bio. So you can learn, like, other posts and stories you're putting up, 
sending people to the action that you want them to do? And if not, then what can you change to test again? So marketing is, you know, test, rinse, repeat, test, rinse, repeat. Like it doesn't stop. So if you're just posting, then the big, some of the biggest mistakes that you're making is not understanding what's going wrong so that you can see what's working and what's not. Okay. I need to know when that actually does go live. Listeners, (laughs) I already admitted to Christy before we started talking that I have not used plan because I am still, this is so embarrassing considering we're in 2019. Admit it. Admit it. We can publicly shame you. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I am on a 5S. Okay. A 5S. My kids have newer phones than I do. The problem is you have no memory. That's exactly the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Because all my pictures are taking up all the memory. Mm -hmm. And then I have to leave you kids on there so that when I'm on a call, I can give them the phone and not be disturbed. I almost deleted it this morning, but I was like, that's insane. Mama, you cannot delete you kids or else you will be insane. Well, if you put them up in the cloud, though, then they're safe. Yeah. They just come off your phone. I know what I know you're talking about putting pictures up in the cloud, but I almost made a well, I'll just make the joke. I can't put my kids up in the cloud. But, you know, but I just needed to keep you kids. But that's I need to look into why they're not going up in the cloud, because right now they are taking up so much room on my mm-hmm. on my phone. But yeah, my my 13 year old has fun telling me that he has like 128 gigs on his phone. Mm-hmm. And I have something like eight or 16, which is so pitiful. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, the web app um, is we're in final stages of testing mm. now. So what we've done is we're starting to roll it out to our waitlist because we said an exclusive first look and we have had a few delays, Instagram, Facebook, which is fine. And we are getting some really great feedback and the the analytics are a little bit more advanced. We even go dive down this time into stories analytics, which is something that's new, which is exciting. Um, so I'm hoping if you visit our website, maybe when this is published, this podcast is published, that our new website will be live as well. So building a new website to match our new offering. Oh, that's amazing. What would, I'm so intrigued too by the color, you said color analytics, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm so intrigued by that because I would love to know, like I have three different colors of quotes that go through. I'd love to know if one Mm -hmm. of the colors is just converting better. Like, Exactly. Yeah. And you can can use the app as well to spy on other people. Mm. So if you've got a peer or someone who shares your target audience, then you can look up their name and see what color schemes and times are working for them too, and then test them out and see if it works for you too. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. So before we got on... One person told me that it was delightfully voyeuristic. It is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when I'm working in um, Infusionsoft, like, it feels the same way. You know, I if somebody says they didn't get an email, I can go into their contact record and see, yeah, you got it. And you opened and you clicked. And I feel like big sister, you know, <laughs> I'm spying on you. I can see what you did to that email. Mm-hmm. Um, I, before we push record, I was sharing how I, um, one of my goals this year is to get up to 10,000 followers. And my reasoning behind it is because I want to be able to do stories that I can do the swipe up to, to click. Um, specifically for blog articles and podcasts. But I see a lot of um, even podcasting friends who have clearly paid for for likes and for followers. But I've also seen a lot of shutdowns happening lately. Do you have any insight as to any of that and recommendations for people? 
Well, I don't think – if you buy followers, I strongly recommend against it. But if mm-hmm. you do do it, you're not going to get your account closed. So that's kind of a, a myth. I don't know where that one came from, but I have heard that before. Oh, actually, the, the account the account closed was um because of engagement pods. Oh, okay. Different story. Sorry, I sort of mixed them yeah. together. <laughs> um, then the the thing with buying followers is that your engagement rate is terrible. Because you've got all these fake people on your account that aren't interacting and they might throw a like unless you pay for likes. But they don't mean anything because it's an ego boost and a vanity metric because they're not actually buying from you or converting. So it's nice to have that number. But what's more important, making money or having followers? <laughs> and personally, I like to make more money. <laughs> oh, me too. Actually, yeah. the, so the friends. Fake people, they're not buying from you. Yeah. No, the the one person that I'm thinking about who I know did, I've, um, once in a while, if I have absolutely nothing else to do, which doesn't happen very often, I'll go and see what my friends are liking just to get new content cool. and new people to follow. And I noticed that this person was liking on a whole bunch of, um, Russian half naked women and, and saying, Oh, nice pick. Oh, you know, like it was obviously a robot doing it and the person is a podcaster so i actually and and had talked about how they were using a new service i'm trying not to genderize here as to not point out who it is so i Mm -hmm. sent them a message and i said hey you might want to check out what your service is actually liking and they had no idea and that's Mm -hmm. and i feel like that might be the case for a lot of people who are paying for such services i mean Yes, you might get some likes back and you might get some followers, but the same as what you just said. It's not the right people. It, it's not quality. Or yeah, yeah, it's not quality. So I think I think one of the one of the things you know how you're telling me so earlier Kim was asking me, you know, can you help us and can you spot some things that you think people don't do quite right to to make the most of Instagram? And one of the things that I have noticed is that posting on Instagram is 10, 10 to 20% of being on the platform and the other 80 is actually engaging and having a conversation. So the way I like to frame it is go online and make friends and do exactly what your mum told you not to do (laughs) and go online and start having proper conversations with people. So if someone posts a piece of artwork, you you could ask, you know, what medium did you use? How long did this take? This is really cool. Can I buy it custom? Um, And engage with them in the conversation because later on when you come back and do it again or they see your post in a feed, they're likely to chat and engage with you back. If you just leave nice with a bicep emoji, it's it's kind of a waste of your time writing it and then probably not going to respond to it. So you're not actually making a genuine connection. And one of the examples that I made is that I started looking up other women in tech when I first started because I just needed some support because I was going insane. And I met this lovely woman um, named Cho who was making an app called Femage, which is a basically a networking for women entrepreneurs in America. And her and I would bond over the troubles we have with Apple and all sorts of things. And then later on, we became friends, and she invited me out to LA to, to speak and host one of her her launch events. And then since then, her, both of our apps have been doing okay. And so I go over to LA and host workshops for her, and then she got me into New York Fashion Week. She so just never know, and that was literally just reaching out from wow. looking at hashtags. You just never know where stuff's going to end up. Wow. Whoa. I just <laughs> yeah. I'm I have to. Sh- I mean, it. I'm in a um. I follow a board right now that does a couple like and comment um, strings per week. And while you might 
while you, I mean, listeners might think, you know, what is that really getting you? The community that's been formed off of this one um, uh, string is amazing. Like I've made friends with so many mompreneurs and with my focus amazing. being self-care systems and support. I mean, that's the ideal audience. Like these are the women who really need to remember to lock the door when they're going pee, you know, and that's what they're posting about. And it's just so hilarious. And so when I see these things, like last night, I saw one where somebody posted before, when I first became a mom, I tried not to cuss. But now I step on a Lego. And, you know, the the rest of the post was a whole bunch of expletives. And I shared it. I showed my husband, he's like, yep, that's about right. And, you know, we, we ended up getting into a back and forth just on that one not my husband and I, but like the poster and I about the worst toys to step on, and other people were chiming in, and it was so much it's fun. Be Lego. <laughs> oh, it was a, it was totally about Lego. But I have to share with you, there was this um, minion um, banana, like this the minions from Despicable Me. My kids had a super meal, uh, super meal, super. Am I saying that right? McDonald's, whatever they're called. Um, happy meal. Happy meal. Thank you. Happy it's, meal. Yep, got it. We actually haven't had any in a month, which is rare for our house. I think that's why I forgot. Um, but they had minion toys that shot bananas, and they were like jacks yeah. on the floor, so yeah. you step on them. So yeah, it was just a blast though, because all these other mompreneurs were coming in and chiming about what the worst toy ever to step on is, and there's a whole community just engaging there, and then they're like, oh, curious about who. Who just posted that and looking at profiles? Yeah. But thank you for the 2080. I never really thought about how 80% should be spent engaging. I I have not yeah, been doing 80%. People, no, because there's a lot of people that will just post and then disappear and then wonder why it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they forget that Instagram's a community. And if you just – it's kind of like the post and run. And that's why Plan still right now does push notifications and the reason behind it is so that you push and you're, and you're there and you're there to engage. Because if you auto-post, the platform's not really going to work for you. Hmm. So, yeah. It, I mean, eventually it will roll out. So, auto-posting is still in beta for Facebook and hasn't rolled out to all services. But it is still quite buggy. So, I'm a little bit happy that we get to kind of watch what everyone else is doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what all platforms does Plan work with? Um, right now, we're just working on Instagram. Okay. Are you planning on expanding further, or is that yeah, been a big enough of a headache for the, you? Um, well, no, I definitely am. Um, but there's a lot of roadblocks, not blocks, there's a lot of hoops on fire to jump through with Facebook. And I have to expand my team to be able to support the operations of also adding in Facebook. So um, my company is actually bootstrapped, and that means that I've taken no external funding. Where other people that sit in our area have taken about $10 million of funding, I've taken no funding. So the platform's completely customer funded. So the more people that get behind us and pay for the product, then the faster we can build out things. But it actually, for me, is a great thing because it means that we're close to the customer because we have to really listen to what people want and what they will pay for, where every other company is, you know, how much money are they going to make for their shareholders? So we have to come at it from a, a slightly different point of view as a business. Oh, I so appreciate you bringing that up because my company has been bootstrapped as well. And I have mm-hmm. a feeling that a lot of the listeners have as well. I mean, in my house, we have one credit card with a $300 limit. 
which <laughs> yeah. So any anything my from my team to the tools that we're using, I mean, the money has to come in in order for the money to go back out to pay for that. And mm-hmm. I learned the lesson the hard way because I had an e-commerce shop a decade ago that I racked up a hundred thousand of debt for, and yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, that's why I only have one credit card because mm-hmm. I made all the mistakes in the it's past. Be tough. Yeah. yeah, and. You know, when you kill your credit, it takes time to restore. But I don't want to restore and get another 100,000 of available credit. But what's been interesting to me, and maybe you've seen the same thing too, is how business owners and entrepreneurs treat each other, especially when they're trying to sell. Like I've had coaches tell me to go get out massive loans. Or do you have any family that you can ask to loan you money so you can sign up for my coaching? And it's like... Wait a second. That's up to. I mean, that's that's up to the individual. So, yeah, I, I, I understand why they'd be doing that, but it's just it's, it does feel like a bit of a risk. And I think that's just your personal risk profile. Obviously, entrepreneurship, you already have a risk profile, but mm-hmm. that would be in the next level of risk profile that I personally don't fall in. Do you have any? Um, I I love to look at. Um, I don't want to call them struggles, challenges that you've mm-hmm. experienced in the line of plan that you haven't already discussed that you can look back at now and just laugh about that you could share with us. <laughs> I have like books that I could write on there. I think the biggest thing is thinking that I could build a non uh, build a technical product with no technical experience and no technical people. <laughs> uh, that's that's a legit lol. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having not being not asking people for help mm-hmm. to fill in the gaps that I didn't have, and it wasn't until I started making a ton of mistakes that I realized that I should have asked it before. So now it's a no-brainer. I can, I've got people I can reach out to and ask for help, and that's probably one of the the things that makes me laugh the hardest. That you know I believed in myself so much <laughs> that I thought I could do it, which is funny. Um, I have been right there. I totally feel you. And it's the high achievers in us, I think. Uh huh. And lately, it's been bookkeeping. Why am I still trying to do my own bookkeeping? Number one, I hate oh, it. Outsource. Get rid of it. Yeah, it, that's that's next to go. Yeah. What is yeah, on one your- of the things I definitely learned was was outsourcing earlier. I drove myself to insanity by trying to do everything by myself, especially as we started to scale. And then before, I, then when I realized that we were scaling too quick, it was too hard to get people in because there's not really enough talent in Australia that had had app experience before. So I had to slow down the growth of the company to try and train up people because I hadn't done it earlier. So then once the systems and stuff were in place, we went from 500,000 to a million downloads in the space of six months. Oh my goodness. So I should have, I definitely should have done that earlier. But you know, you learn. Do you have standard operating procedures set up for your team? Now, yes. Yes. Yeah. I love how you put the now in. Yeah. Well, you can, when it's early, early days, you're just scrambling. Mm-hmm. But now we do things like um, develop a production. We deploy builds to staging every Tuesday and every Thursday that this person's on call for the weekend to do customer support because our customer support is actually bigger in the weekend because Sunday and Mondays, which in Australia is our mon- as, you know, different time zone, um, are our busiest days. People are planning on a Sunday night and Monday mostly. And... Yeah, it's just learning about how your business works and then being able to make sure every pro- – no, so in our in my business, I basically say if anyone has a process in their head, get it out. 
I love so it. Thank someone's you. Someone's holding something in their head that no one else can access. Get it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of the rule. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, times a hundred. Now you're two years. You're two years in plus some because I know there was time. Right? It was. I mean, yeah, a year before that. A year before that. So I'm curious. Do you have time for self care yet, or are you still working to make time for self care? Um, it's in the last six months, self self care has started. So I have gone from a team of so in January last year, so exactly a year ago, I had I think four people, five people in the team, and now I have a team of thirty five. So I was doing that many jobs poorly, and my husband has joined the team, so he's come on board full time now as our COO, which is perfect. And he is definitely helpful with managing the team and helping me out with systems because he's really finance and focused and he's amazing with people. And we now, instead of him coming home from work and yelling at me for working at night (laughs) and not being around, we can now work whenever we want together. So we travel together and work from our laptops and I roller skate and we started going back to yoga and I started to do personal training because I gained quite a lot of weight working so much. So it has started in the last, let's say, four or five months. And I just, I just feel like me again. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm over here nodding like you can see it. Yes, I hear that. Yeah. The, the weight gain, it's like the freshman 30 that they talk about for uh, college freshmen gaining weight. I, I think that there should be a startup like 60 or something. Yeah. I call it my startup body. Mm-hmm. But I have, to, I have to love the body because it got me to where I am. And now I'm just going to look after it because it is the most expensive asset you'll ever own. It is. Absolutely. So where's the next place that you would like to travel to? Um, Well, I'm popping over to move to San Francisco and LA for April and May. And I have taken the team on team trips to Bali so we can all hang out and work better there so we can work closer, which has been pretty cool. And I just I love Europe. I just really want to go back. That sounds amazing. We are, we are looking forward. Okay, we love our children, but we are looking forward to fifteen years from now, possibly getting an RV. We're not putting our five kids into an RV with us. That's why I'm saying fifteen years from now, and taking our businesses on the road. So, um, have fun with that. That sounds like a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Where can listeners who have not heard of Plan Before go? to find you, sign up, get started, and stop so having ugly places. Instagram accounts. <laughs> well, the two best places to find us is at our blog and our website, so planthat.com. So I'll get Kim to write the notes at the bottom of the show notes. And we post, publish three blog posts every week that are basically written by professional Instagram marketers that most people charge you for, but we write them all for free because we want everyone to have access to the best information. And then we also share tutorials and more helpful hints and tips over on Instagram. And we're at plan that on Instagram as well. Thank you so much, Christy. No problem. So nice to speak with you. Yeah. So nice to speak with you too. And I just had to say, I, I think it's so crazy how full circle, and I've been, I, I've had my mind blown so many times since you brought up her name earlier, but how you were talking, um, the Instagram influencer that you were talking about earlier that people, oh, Jenna, 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 thank you. Yes. Yeah. I was just introduced to her and I'm embarrassed to say this just a few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast and got introduced and I heard her story first mm-hmm. and I was instantly 
like pulled in. I went and followed her on Instagram. And then I went over, I will not name the tool, but I went over to another tool and found out that she was in the community that, that I'm in and reached out and responded. And it's just, yeah, the, she's awesome. the, yeah but it was absolutely the story. So I just want to like, I want you to give your own golden nugget, but I just had to share with listeners that the stories that I share in my captions are really what have connected me more. So if you take anything from me, but please take a lot more from Christy in this episode, <laughs> just think about your captions because if you're only putting one sentence, I guarantee you can do a bit more and just build more relationships. But Christy, I would love to know what golden nugget you have for listeners. Oh, my biggest one is that uh, for me personally, and well, there's two things. One is that your your mental health and your your personal life have to become one and the same. You can't kind of go, here's work and then here's life. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's just all. So it feels like you just have to work yourself into your workflow and make time for it inside your entire workflow and then find balance there rather than feeling guilty about not having work-life balance. And then the second one that I that I do love is that you just go for it. You got to tell people about what you're doing and just if you're going to do it then do it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.